Each of you comes here today hopeful, wanting in on the game. A month ago, you were in med school being taught by doctors. Today, you are the doctors. The seven years you spent here as a surgical resident will be the best and worst of your life. You will be pushed to the breaking point. Look around you. Say hello to your competition. Eight of you will switch to an easier specialty. Five of you will crack under the pressure. Two of you will be asked to leave. This is your starting line. This is your arena. How well you play, that's up to you. Like I said, I'm screwed. Welcome back to Hooing Company. It's episode 47. I'm Brent. And I'm Drew. It's November. Time to celebrate that most wonderful time of the year, Doctor Who Day. Rather than watch an unearthly child, this year, I watched the Romans. And I watched the girl in the fireplace. Cool. And we had even further cause for celebration as we are joined by this month's guest whose talents brought the character of Sharon Davies to life, straight from the pages of Doctor Who comics to Big Finish's The Comic Strip Adaptations. Actress Rianne Starbuck joins the company to discuss life in the lockdown, our aversion of musical theater, James Bond, and the delight that is Lee Gao. Then we roll the gurney down the hall to Rianne's pick of the month, the long-running medical drama where absolutely anything can happen, Grey's Anatomy. Warning, there are massive spoilers for the show's first 11 seasons. And that's coming up right after this. Where is the meep anyhow? He, he, he must have got out the front. Well, there's a third warrior that way. Oh, no. Meep! Meep. Meep. What are you doing? It ain't safe that way, neither. It's all right, Sharon. You see, I've a teensy-weensy little something hidden in my secret pouch to help keep back the other guard. What secret pouch? Flaming heck, it's a space gun. Oh, it's only a teeny-tiny stun gun. Please, Sharon, help me reach the door lock. I suppose. Out of my way, Our guest this month can be seen on such shows as Emmerdale and can be heard on Big Finish's recent comic strip adaptations. Rand Starbuck, welcome to Who and Company. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are our November guest. We're very excited. This, of course, November being, you know, Doctor Who anniversaries, and they're letting out Doctor Who news and all sorts of things to talk about. But first, it's time to check in to see how everyone is doing. Um, how is your lockdown going? Do you know, I'm actually really enjoying my lockdown. <laughs> um, so two massive things have happened. So I got pregnant throughout lockdown and um, I got engaged. So I'm having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on Congratulations, both. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been um, eventful, but it's been 
yeah it's been really really good and we've been renovating the house and getting everything ready baby due in February so um yeah it's definitely been keeping me occupied and then when restrictions were slightly lifted here um for a little bit um I think it was from May for a few months until we went back into full lockdown I was able to get out and do a bit of work some modelling, um, maternity modelling actually, um, which was great. So the baby's already been featured in three big commercials over in the UK. Um, <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Maybe that's the sign of things to come. Well, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. It, it, it's great when uh, we have these big changes in our lives, but we're allowed to adapt and move and change with them. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Brent, how are you doing, bud? Uh, we're doing okay here. Uh, we had to miss our Thanksgiving dinner, which was yesterday oh. on Saturday, because Friday I woke up with a fever, and I didn't want to risk spreading anything, so we skipped it. And I'm getting tested later today, so hopefully that comes out okay. Uh, but needless to say, we didn't get to go shopping this weekend, which means we watched a lot of TV. <laughs> so uh, I have been obsessed lately. I don't know why, but I have been obsessed lately watching old episodes of Kojak <laughs> wow um i'm at the end of season three and um other new shows that you know have started back that we watch that we like uh like uh, chicago pd and a show we'll be talking about later oh okay okay <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right you are you are well versed in that um we also didn't do anything for thanksgiving uh, except for like everything else in my life, uh, Thanksgiving was held via Zoom. Um, each each of our family members were kind of made their own meals, and we were supposed to you know pop in and sit down and have a meal together. And we were the only ones who actually ate anything. Um, everyone else is like, yeah, we'll do it later. Uh, but it's fine. It was you know it, it's different, but it, it's still you know kind of the point of Thanksgiving. I should say American Thanksgiving, um, is, is family. And, uh, so, you know, how better to show your love for your family than keeping them safe. So yeah, other than, definitely. other than that, um, the semester has ended for me recently. So I'm no longer a student, at least for another couple of months, which means I have my brain back. So I've been trying to read and, and, uh, just catch up on communication with friends I've had to put to one side, um, because I couldn't, couldn't get anything else done. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm glad you're both doing well. Let's get into it. Um, so, Rian, you are both an actor and a model. How, mm -hmm. how do you enter that world? How does that get started for you? Um, well, it started with my mum being fed up of me during school holidays and sending me <laughs> off to theatre school. Um, so I think I was about six or seven when I started um, theatre school actually at the secondary school that I ended up going to um my nana worked there as a secretary at the time so yeah it was just it was a theatre week so you had a week um to put on a production they had a state-of-the-art theatre so seated I think around 600 people and then I did it every year and then going to the school um <clears throat> we then put on productions three times a year um so I was involved in every single one of those and it was just something that I instantly fell in love with um signed with an agent while I was still at school um and then just for me there was no other option really than to go to drama school and pursue it further um modeling's been a little bit come come along a little bit later um probably just fallen more into that because 
doing more and more commercials and then kind of being cast for more still commercials I just found myself naturally falling more into the modeling side as well as the acting um, but I love I love both it's um yeah I really do love doing both and then also the voiceover as well which I've just done with Big Finish I haven't done that with anybody else very cool we'll get to that in just a moment I'm sure yes <laughs> have you been able to perform on stage as well yeah, well, I did, obviously, all the productions that we did throughout school were, in, were on stage. Um, and then at drama school, we put on productions on stage. And then we went up to the West End and our showcase was on the West End. So in a huge, huge theatre. And, you know, I prefer TV um, definitely to the stage. I think the idea of um, when, when you're kind of doing theatre work and it's the idea of it being the same lines you're playing the same character it's the same show over and over again for me the tv side tv and film side had more was more interesting because it was different you know you're working with different people on a daily basis you're you know you're not just repeating the same thing so that was why I kind of stuck more to the tv side as opposed to going down the theatre route I'm kind of curious about these productions in your youth. Do any of the parts that you played stick out for good or bad? <laughs> um, I'd say, good question. We did a great show um, at drama school. This was one of my showcases, which was um, Pornography by Simon Stevens, um, which was about the 7-7 bombings in London. Mm. Um, and that was incredible. Um yeah, absolutely incredible. I, I loved that show. So that was a good one. Um, bad one. Oh, gosh, I've played lots of funny parts because I went to an all-girls school. So we obviously had to play play the men and me being a little bit taller than most average girls. I always got a male part. <laughs> <laughs> I played lots of men. I played um, Judd um, in Kez. I played um, Rolf in Sound of Music. <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> um, I played James in James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> oh, I bet that was fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen a stage presentation of of something like that. Yeah. That would be and, really cool. And you know, that's actually on video. My mum has that on video <laughs> somewhere. Oh <my. laughs> but no, you're not seeing that before you ask. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, no, I had you know had some great experiences, and it is it is great. And I'm not saying oh, I'd never I'd never do theatre because I think you know a lot of um, shows now are, are a lot shorter runs, and I do enjoy it when when I do do it. But I just think yeah, I'm more I do prefer more TV and film definitely. What sort of projects are you drawn towards? Like, uh, uh, are you more drama or comedy or? I'm I'm personally more drawn to drama. Um, yeah, I'd say more drama. I have done comedy, um, but I don't think I'm very funny or have great comedic timing. So <laughs> I think, yeah, more drama, definitely. I feel more comfortable doing that. Well, I'm kind of always, I'm blown away by any actors who can bring forward just emotion uh, and because I am, I, I am a person without talent when it comes to acting in any way, shape, or form. It's something I don't, I don't do. Um, but I'm, I wonder, is that something that comes easy for you, being able to emote in such a way? Do you 
find that that was something that came naturally to you? Or is it that all this practice with these drama schools and, and uh, is that something that kind of built? Um, no, I think it came, it came naturally. I think I'm naturally a drama queen. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do, I do think it's something that I've always been very in touch with the emotional side, which I think helps and is, makes it easier for you to be able to draw upon certain whether it's experiences emotions but I feel quite capable of being able to put myself in a situation you know imagine myself in a situation that then evokes some type of emotion whatever that be rage or sadness um I think drama school if I was to do it again would I go back probably not um, which always surprises people when I say that because I went to quite a reputable drama school. Um, but I think for the type of work that I wanted to go into, um, drama school really just focused on giving, trying to make a more polished version of oneself, whereas mm. actually, you know, doing the dramas that I wanted to do the gritty dramas actually the rawness is what people are looking for um you know I think a lot of my friends who I went to drama school with and I train with some you know amazing people who have gone on to do amazing things and I think if you're wanting to go into stage or theatre then drama school is you know it's kind of essential because it trains the voice it trains the body for that kind of um for you to be getting on stage you know twice a day seven days a week and that constant performing that takes that's a skill you know that you've got to build up to be able to do that it's an endurance thing um but yeah I mean you know everyone had different experiences through throughout drama school but for me I yeah I, I'm not saying I didn't take anything from it of course I took certain things from it but I think the emotion going back to the original question was probably there before mm. Well, you have gotten a chance to work with some really talented folks. Is is there an actor or actress you'd really like to work alongside or a director? Oh, well, I've always said my one dream is to be a Bond girl at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that just has to be, I think, ultimate goals for any, you know, well, maybe, maybe not. But for me, that has always been one of my things that I've said. Um, you know, I've, I've I've been really lucky to work with some amazing directors um, already, um, but there's—is there anyone that stands out? I think there's so many different, so many different actors. There's so many things out there now that are so different but so great that, yeah, I think again, I'd just be feel grateful to to work with to work with anyone who you know I feel is creative and who creates great stuff. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I am curious. Uh, you have your pick of all the bonds. If you could be mm. a Bond girl for any of the bonds, doesn't it's assuming they're in they're in their prime. Uh, you know, you have a time machine, whatever. Uh, yeah. Who who do you get to be a Bond girl for? Which, which of the bonds? Oh, um, I want to say Sean Connery. You know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Sean. Sean Connery, definitely. <laughs> and poor dearly departed Mr. Connery, sadly. I know, I was, I know. You know, some of my favourite films, First Night is one of my favourite films. Oh, um, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know it word for word. 
um, that and Frenchman's Creek, bizarrely. Um, I love love those films, but yeah, Sean Connery. I've, yeah, I suppose like a lot of people, different um, kind of ages have grown up, grown up with him, and yeah, I think he was amazing, especially back in back in his prime. Um, but then I'd say Pierce Brosnan was probably the the bomb that I was watched. Well, I watched all of all of those mm. ones. Um, and I, I, I do like Pierce Brosnan, but yeah, it'd be a toss up between the two. But I think Sean Connery slightly wins. <laughs> Did you watch a, uh, a a film or a project of Connery's in his honor when he passed? Um, first night. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Again. <laughs> For the millionth time. <laughs> Brent, how about you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, because at the end of it, sorry, spoiler alert coming up, um, when he, he dies at the end and I always no matter how many times I watch that film absolutely bore my eyes out and I don't know because they they um they set him on um what is it one of them kind of raft things and send him off how they used to do it and then they light a an an arrow with fire and it lands on him and then he goes up in flames I'm like but why do they have to burn he's already dead I don't understand (laughs) and that used to get to me every time I was like but why I didn't understand it so yeah no I watched that one (laughs) Brent did you watch anything in honor of Sir Sean Connery yeah um our local theater uh Alamo Draft House had um Goldfinger they were showing and my son took me to it for my birthday which was it was the day after my birthday and we went out to see Goldfinger on the big screen. So that was really cool. Oh man. That's, that's really neat to see it on the screen. I introduced uh, a couple of friends uh, via zoom to um, my favorite work by Sean Connery, which is the film Zardoz, um, (laughs) which is, I'm not saying now that I'm recommending this movie to anybody, but uh, (laughs) it, it, it is, it is about as bonkers a production as one could possibly hope for, for a new wave 1970s uh, metaphysical intelligent art house sci-fi film where Sean Connery runs around in a red nappy the entire time shooting people. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it has a special place in my heart, but uh, there you go. <laughs> let's move away from that. Uh, <laughs> let's, you, uh, all right, man, you have recently recorded at least big finish has recently released it um the their comic book strip adventures of doctor who in which you play a pivotal character in the Mm. history of doctor who maybe not as a well-known or as appreciated as she should be but uh certainly pivotal how did you first hook up with big finish um, so I was actually good friends with Jason Hay Gallery, who's the MD at Big Finish. Um, and we met actually, we were at a conference and um, had loads of mutual friends. And he, I think one of the first things he said to me was, there's a part for you that would be perfect. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And then nothing ever came of it. And then however many years later, I got a phone call. He was like, remember that part I said? And I was like, mm, yeah, he said, right, it's finally come the time to record. So, so yeah, that's, that's how the story began, really. That's amazing. So you didn't even have to audition for it? Um, no. I had, to send off, I had to send off a um, tape to Nicholas Briggs um, for him to approve, because obviously he was director. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was happy with it. So, no, no, I, I, I didn't. 
<laughs> That's cool. Mm -hmm. Had you done any audio work before then? No, I mean, again, at drama school, you do, you know, little bits of it. Um, but no, I hadn't. I hadn't. I, I'd been to the um, Big Finish uh, recording studios and, and seen them and watched. I think one of my friends was recording. And um, yeah, I just kind of watched and was really amazed by it. It was nothing like I expected. And actually, when you record as well, I really, really enjoyed it. It kind of really surprised me how much... I did enjoy it and I thought yeah do you know what I'd love I'd love to do this um more it was just because you don't have to think about what you look like what you're doing kind of continuity movements it's just literally you just play the character um so it was yeah it was really a really enjoyable experience so what was it like portraying Sharon Davis like she is the first companion of color in Doctor Who so mm. needless to say it's a very pivotal role there yeah I felt really really lucky to be the person to portray her and you know when we've done a few Doctor Who conventions now Chicago TARDIS which was this time last year actually and then um, Gallifrey in LA in February and one of the questions that you know that's kind of one of the questions that I got asked quite a lot when we we're doing panels and I always would say we're quite similar on so many levels as a as a person in terms of the way that they were brought up you know with kind of by a single mum not having a father figure present um not being very trusting of men you know at that stage in her life which I feel that I definitely went through that stage in my life um and you know the relationship relationships that she has with people I think I could very much relate to that so it was yeah, it was it was a great experience. I, I'd say it wasn't, do I say there wasn't much preparation? I don't feel like I needed to do much character development for it because I kind of felt like I really knew her and I, I understood and saw where she came from and felt that I was able to tap into that quite quickly through my own experiences, if that makes sense. As part of your preparation for the character, did you read the comics? I didn't, <laughs> whether I just say that or not, again, I, I didn't, and it's not, I wasn't a massive Doctor Who fan, it wasn't something that I was brought, brought up with that I'd watched, I probably watched a couple of episodes on TV, um, obviously I got sent the script and that, that was all I got and I wasn't, it was just a whole new world that I was launched into that really opened my eyes to, yeah, the world of Doctor Who. So no, I did really go into it quite sheltered I'd say that's neat and I know this is something that I've discussed numerous times on the podcast but um I I was introduced to Doctor Who through those comic books and so Sharon is my first companion as far as I was concerned about Doctor Who you know Tom Baker's doctor is the doctor and Sharon is mm -hmm. the companion and I thought that was a character that was on the show so when I came to start watching the classic series in Tom Baker's years I was very let down to find out that Sharon wasn't a character who, who was portrayed by, by an actual real human being. Uh, uh, so when you were announced, I was so excited, so yeah. excited to have, have that part of my fandom to be realized. And, and I think you did an amazing job. I've listened to the story a couple of times and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And I really hope, you know, we get to see more of Sharon because I think, you know, she's a great character and like you say, such a pivotal role, um, especially in, you know, 
the ones with, with Tom Baker as well. And I think it'd be a really amazing opportunity for us to see her, yeah, for us to see her come back. So speaking of Tom Baker, are the green room stories <laughs> as legendary as we hear? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. The lunches are, the green room stories are, yes. Um, yeah, it was, you know, from kind of walking in for it being my first voiceover recording job and not really knowing what to expect. Um, instantly, you're just made to feel at home. You know, the studios, they're not massive. They're really quite quaint and cosy. And everyone, everyone there is just so, so, so lovely. Um, no egos, none of that. It was just, you know, we're all there to have fun and create art, which, yeah is what we did and it was um such an enjoyable experience definitely that's cool you had mentioned um going to conventions so you've been to chicago twice and, and gallifrey once just chicago once i did chicago oh, okay. this time last year yeah so it actually came up on my um memories um <laughs> this time last year we were flying out because we we arrived on thanksgiving so i remember we went out for dinner and then yeah then the convention started the day after so yeah i did that and then gallifrey this year in february Right. Yeah. Oh, so sorry to have missed that one. Um, prior to all of this, had you done conventions of any kind? No, maybe not as a guest, but just gone as a as a visitor? No, no, no. That's what I mean. The, the whole world was just, wow. You know, and I met some amazing, amazing people through conventions. Um, but no, I hadn't been to any before. It's neat. I, I sometimes try to imagine what it was like going to a convention for the first time because it, it's been such a part of my life for so very long. I, you know, not just Doctor Who, but in, in other kind of other interests as well. So to be, mm. to go in and to be, have the spotlight on you, I, I cannot imagine what that must feel like. <laughs> I mean, I think it was nice having Chicago first with it being so much smaller um, right. than the one in LA. It kind of, you know, eased me in, shall we say. And I had, um, Lee was looking after me, you know, Lee, who uh, introduced introduced us. And then, um, yeah, she was just incredible, amazing, really made me feel kind of at ease and told me who everyone was because she knew everyone because she was <laughs> on the convention scene for, you know, for so long. Um, and she's like, right, you need to do this now. You need to go and speak to that person. You've got to do this. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, really just took my hand and, um, yeah, massive thanks to her for that. <laughs> And for setting us up, you know, us to open, putting us in contact to do the podcast, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. You yeah. know, when I went to my first Doctor Who convention, it was with Lee and Nathan. So uh, th that experience of her introducing you to everybody and explaining who they are, I got that same treatment. And yeah. <laughs> I can honestly say you are in no better hands than Lee's yeah. when it comes to conventions. <laughs> I know, and I was like, please, can I have her again in LA? And she wasn't even look, looking after any of the guests in the LA one, but I made her look after me. <laughs> I was like, come on, <laughs> this place is huge. I'm going to get lost. <laughs> had you been to the States uh, prior to the conventions? I have, but only once. I've been yeah. to New York once um, about nine years ago, and that was it. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was going back and obviously not been to Chicago, hadn't been to LA, always, always, always wanted to go, but I'd never yeah. had the opportunity to. So again, was really grateful to get that opportunity to go out and to work and to meet some people and make friends for life as well. That's really neat. Um, 
uh, kind of curious, did you get a chance to explore outside of the convention? Did you get a chance to travel around the cities? I mean, LA. Um, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, LA is, is um, notoriously tricky to get around, around in, uh, but Chicago is a different story. Yeah, well, we went to Chicago. It was cold in Chicago. So <laughs> I just remember not really wanting to leave leave the hotel much. But we, um, of course, I went to some shopping centre close by, two shopping centres close by, and hit all the Black Friday sales. Um, but that was it in Chicago. In LA, I did a lot more exploring. I added on time before and after the convention. So I arrived in LA, I think, four or five days before the convention started. Um, and was able to explore loads. I just just got Ubers everywhere and just kind mm-hmm. of was like, oh, I want to go see this place and got an Uber. Um, Jason was there actually at the time we went to Universal. So we did that one day. That was fun. Um, I did the walk up to the Hollywood sign because, again, that was something that I always, always wanted to do. And <laughs> it was quite a big step for me because I was like, oh, I really want to find someone to go with. But no one was free to go. Um, so I just thought, you know what, I'm going to get an Uber to the bottom, wherever you go and um, up I went by myself a few hours and then came back down and got an Uber back from a little cafe and it was it was lovely and then went to the convention um had a few days there and then flew to San Francisco to see my best friend who lives who lives over there um and then back to LA for a few more days and then home that sounds like a great trip oh mm-hmm. it was I'm so lucky that I managed to fit that in before everything went into covid lockdown you know because it was when we, i got back and it was a few weeks after that it all you know kind of came out and everything started getting shut down when i was five my mom lost me in a park i don't remember much except that one minute i was riding the carousel and the next she was gone I'll be home before you know it. It's good. It's time. I know. I just feel like I just got you back, and now you're going again, and I I just have to stay here. You're right. You do. You have to stay here. Stay here. Don't move. Don't move. Wait for me. Wait for me. I don't remember how I found her. I don't remember how I got home. Okay. All I remember is what happened next. She told me not to worry. She told me everything would be fine. I'll be back before you know it. Funny, isn't it? The way memory works. The things you can't quite remember. And the things you can never forget. The carousel never stops turning. Uh, all of this is fascinating, and it's, I, it's clearly a totally different world um, than one that you, you were a part of before. We're so happy that you're a part of it. But let's talk about another world whenever we invite a guest onto the podcast to talk about their experience with doctor who we are also very well aware that doctor who is not the end all and be all of their fandom uh so we ask our guests to choose a different television show a non-who show to discuss man would you please tell us what show you have discussed and why you have chosen that one? Oh gosh well it it took it a lot of thought but i had to go with Grey's anatomy um my favorite and why because oh I was just obsessed with that when I started watching it a few years back and I have probably watched up to I'd say season 10 about three times through um so yeah it's probably the one that I would say I always go back to and say that would be my favorite tv show have you caught up 
Um, do you know, I have two seasons, I think, left to catch up on. Okay, I, I wasn't aware if, uh, like, do they air day and date over there, or, or do you have to wait until our season no, is over have, for you to get it? Yeah, I think we have to wait, because um, I'm oh, gotcha. watching it on I think either Amazon or Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. So they're a bit, we're a bit behind over here. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I just didn't want to accidentally ruin anything, so we won't talk. No, about please don't there. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I will not. I mean, we should probably just say right off the bat that in order to con- this conversation, there are going to be spoilers for Grey's Anatomy. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. The, the no, ones- not, not any of the new stuff. Not any of the new stuff. No, but no. I think le- <laughs> But leading up to uh, and including, I think, I think anything of the three episodes that you you have uh. suggested that we watch, <laughs> anything leading up to those, because, and I'm going to be honest here, I'm going to need you to explain what the hell was happening on that show, because uh, we'll get into this. I have only watched those three episodes of Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> okay. and while I think they were probably an excellent, excellent e- examples of what that show is. Uh, I have been reading Wikipedia articles for the better part of a week trying to figure out what happened in between. Um, and I am so lost on this show. But let's go back a step. So, Rianne, you said that you uh, didn't you didn't start watching it when it first came out. It didn't no, when it first aired. No. Okay. no how, did you, how did you discover the show? Um, probably just scrolling for the next series to watch and I I do like medical dramas I have to say like I was a big fan of ER when that was out my mum used to watch that and I used to watch that with her um and yeah it does really fascinate me all the the medical dramas so I just thought oh give this a go and yeah I was hooked straight away straight away because it's funny because a lot of the actors that are in it have obviously gone off and you know made quite big names for themselves so it was I guess interesting from more from an acting point of view to go back and watch what they were like when they were starting out and you know to see the show that they made them into what they are yeah that makes sense brent did you uh because i know you've watched this show quite a bit Mm -hmm. did you start watching it when it first came out it was probably a couple of years in and i found uh the first couple of seasons on dvd so i bought those and caught up and then started watching uh on television but yeah, I've been watching since the very beginning, and uh, I really love it. it. I've never worked in the medical field, so I don't know how close to reality it is. Probably not. But uh, <laughs> the writing on the show is so good that it is believable. Mm-hmm. And there's great character development over the years, and every single character has flaws. I like that. It's realistic in that way. Um I think I've been mad at every character over something stupid they did over the years. <laughs> but uh, even Meredith isn't perfect because she's moody no, and no. selfish sometimes. And, um, but yeah, my wife and I still watch the show. I think it's as good as now as it's ever been. And it's in its 17th season now. And I, I'm also amazed at the fact that still every single episode title is a song title. Yeah, you think is it? That, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you'd think they'd run out by now, but they haven't. <laughs> well, a lot. So how many episodes is that? Is there like 20? I think there's like around 24, isn't there, in each season? Yeah. Yeah. I'll look it up while you guys talk. I was, I, <laughs> so I sometimes when I'm getting prepping for a show, what I'll do is I'll go to Wikipedia and I'll copy and paste it into a, uh, a Word document so I can write notes in the, in the margins and you know ask questions and, and prep. 
And without even getting to the episode descriptors, it's 45 pages as a Word document. So I did not print, print that out. And I think, I think 42 of those 45 pages is just explaining the interrelationships that happen. So like who was married to so-and-so and who's having affairs with so-and-so, <laughs> um, which is I can see that over the course of 17 years, probably not seeming like madness, but trying to parse it uh, in a single like kind of week, um, I found it to be <laughs> kind of almost like a mystery uh, in investigating it. There, The number of episodes per season drastically changes. That's like one season they had, I think season two, they had 27 episodes. Uh, and this season they're only having like eight or 10 or something along those lines. No, really? It's changing. Well, I mean, it's difficult to produce uh, television at the moment, I imagine for everybody. Yeah. So. It's uh, um, 370, by the way, so far. Wow. 370. Wow. Yeah. 370 hours in your life. <laughs> in fact, there's like times that by, by, well, two for me, because I've definitely watched <laughs> up to season 10 at least three times. That's amazing. I mean, as, as Doctor Who fans, neither Brent or I can complain about uh, uh, the, the amount of time spent watching a television program, considering, <laughs> you know, the original Doctor Who was on for 26 years before it was yeah. canceled the first time around. Um, uh, so, yeah, when this show first came out, I think in 2005, uh, we were living uh, grad school. And this was the thing that she and her grad school friends did uh, whenever night it came out. It was appointment TV. And so they would go and they would watch it. But I, I don't remember if I was ever invited to these viewings or I probably would have turned it down But uh, at the time. <laughs> but um, I know that it's, it has been going on forever. Um, and I was quite impressed that the cast that I did know about uh, quite a few of them were, were still involved, at least in the episodes that I saw. So, you know, mm. kudos for them. I mean, that is, that is a career. I mean, I, I suppose um, if you were an, okay. So as an actor, uh, would you want to be on a show that lasted 17 years? Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's some think, job security, right? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. I think, um, especially a show like that. I mean, you know, the, what I think the good thing is about it is you have so many guest actors that are coming in. So again, you're not, in a way, it's not like a soap, what we'd have over here where they are the same characters day in, day out, you know, at least you're getting different people and you've got, you know, every episode is a different, different storyline. It's not just about the, the people, the main characters lives, you know, there's always something that's brought in. Um, which I think, yeah, would, you know, must keep it interesting for the actors, but also the writing is just amazing. So mm. I think when you've got something like that, you just, yeah, stick at it. <laughs> well, Brent, you've mentioned that you've really liked how the show has evolved um, with the characters and, and the plot lines and stuff. Rian, do you feel the same way that the show has managed to stay fresh um, given its timeline? Oh, yeah. Um... I won't lie to you, though. There was a point where it got, to me, it got a little silly. Uh, it was around the time of the plane crash or whatever. So I checked out for a couple of years thinking that it wasn't as good as it used to be. But my wife convinced me to come back. And it it was a lot better. <laughs> Sucked me right back in. It was around the time, uh, was around the time uh, where Maggie started. And uh, that whole storyline was really good. 
and uh, yeah, there was. I have to say, there was a couple that really. I needed a couple of musical um, episodes that really put me off. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, should I send you those ones? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I mean, I. <laughs> Okay, please, please continue. I have questions. I am made of questions, and I'll get to those in a moment. Um, yeah, where oh, I was just so, so strange, so, so strange, and I didn't, I wasn't a fan of those. And I think after they were, I was like, oh, it's not another one of those because they in a season they did quite a few. I can't remember what season it was, but then I think I might have come away from it for a little bit, and then, um, and then it did, it disappeared. I think I was watching it on Amazon, and then they do that thing when you're watching something, then they take it off, and you're like why have you taken it off? Why, what am I supposed to do now? So then I had no choice but to stop watching it and find something else. And then I think when I realised it had then come back on and there was a few more seasons that had been added, then I just, I started watching it. So I was still, yeah, but I think I'm on 15 at the minute. Um, yeah, season 15. Gotcha. Wow, that's cool. Um, all right, so back to the musical episodes. Um, I know <laughs> that there was a trend in television to do musical episodes. Those were some of the highest rated of any season for a great number of shows. And they're shows that you wouldn't expect. I think Supernatural did it one. I know Scrubs did one. Uh, you know, mm. of course, Buffy infamously had their musical episode, but I think that was well before the trend. Um, so how do you justify a musical episode in a medical drama? How did they do it? <laughs> I don't know, Brent, what did you think? <laughs> did you think it was as bad as what I thought? I don't, I, I don't know whether there is, right now, this is going to be really quite controversial, but musicals and musical theatre, I think you're either a massive lover or not a fan. Or, well, I, I wouldn't say that I wasn't a fan, but I don't know whether it's because I lived with musical theatre students for so long, so heard all the musical theatre songs that you could possibly think of constantly on repeat for, you know, all hours of the day and night that I just kind of got to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, this is just, just not for me. And I, I won't go and see a musical just because I don't really enjoy it. I mean, I've seen, you know, Les Mis and Phantom and all these brilliant ones on the West End with the exception of Sister Act, I have to say, I love that musical. <laughs> um, but I just instantly am turned turned off from anything like that as soon as they start singing along it just takes away any of the the impact the drama for me I just think it was silly and you've got characters like Bailey and you know Meredith singing along and I just think oh what are you doing <laughs> that, was, that must have been around the time I checked out because I, I I never saw that uh, and now I'm curious to see how bad it is but I <laughs> but like they did that on the flash also they had a complete what? musical episode yep yep it was um <laughs> season four i think and uh, that was around the time i stopped watching that show too but it was like <laughs> I'm glad you're uh, with me on that then <laughs> yeah because you can tell that probably the reason they do it is because a lot of those actors probably were in musical theater at one time and somebody came up with the idea and they're like, oh yeah i'd love to sing and so they do it and you're like, why are you doing this in a dramatic show? It doesn't make sense. No, no, not at all. I, it was just, yeah, it, it was like, it just didn't fit in, I don't think, with the storylines. And, you know, it's a serious medical drama. Like, you know, like you said, Drew, how, how does it fit in? Well, it, it didn't, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
And we'll talk about this, I guess, when we talk about the three episodes, but my first reaction to the, the pilot episode um, when watching it, not knowing the characters, is I felt like, oh, it feels like a more dramatic version of Scrubs. And Brent, you had mentioned you're not sure how, how close or accurate the show is to the medical profession. I have no clue, but I am a big fan of Scrubs. And I have heard from a, a lot of people in the medical profession that Scrubs is about as close to reality um, as they've seen on on TV, which is weird considering Scrubs is a comedy and it's a high concept comedy that has a lot of fantastic elements in it. But on Scrubs, when they have a musical episode, uh, it was it, for the point of view of a character who was coming in who had had some kind of traumatic brain injury. And so she heard conversations as musical numbers. Like that's how she... Uh, just that has the, how the writers justified it, um, which is, I think, a really clever, but it's only a 25 minute ep- long episode. So I'm not sure how Grey's Anatomy maintains uh, sort of that level. But um, yeah, there's that. Um, you, <laughs> you have do, to Google and watch it and then let me know what you think. I, I'm 100. You know what? I think because I am also not a huge musical fan. And I, I think I've said this before on the podcast. Um, well, I feel like I will be turned off. I will sometimes find them very catchy. So it really depends on the subject matter and the quality of, of the musicals themselves. Like, I don't think I would voluntarily go to uh, pay money for a show, a musical show, um, you know, depending if like friends were going or something like that. But I'm not opposed to it. I just, it's not my first instinct mm-hmm. is to, to leap in that direction. Um, part of the reason that we sit and watch these shows for so very long, I mean, this is a time investment is we like the characters. Are there, um, do you have a particular favorite character? Is there someone who compels you to watch the show more than others, their storyline or the actor themselves? Um, obviously I, I do like Meredith. I, I, um, I do love her character. Um, Christina, I have to say, was one of my favourites. I love her and even, you know, she's gone on to do like Killing Eve, Sandra Oh and I think she's brilliant. I like everything that she's in. Um, and then, spoiler alert, Patrick. I was so sad when he left. <laughs> Still am. <laughs> um, who else do I like? Oh, Deb- um, Debbie Allen mm-hmm. in it. She is insane amazing love her um yeah so i definitely think it's the characters that yeah that do keep you keep you invested for so long how about you brent uh well as far as a character that's like me it's probably george he was like the charlie brown of the show and uh, i really loved him he was one of my favorites uh i always liked karev and owen but uh, I have to say my favorite is Richard Weber. Oh, yeah. He's always been like the dad of the show, and he's always got the funniest lines. Um, yeah. <laughs> his storylines of being a recovering alcoholic were really good. Uh, when his wife died, uh, when he's trying to uh, – when he finds out he has a daughter and tried to uh, adjust to that relationship, all of that's really good stuff. And mm. James Pickens, Jr., that's his name. He's such a great actor and very likable. So uh, yeah. yeah, Richard. And I really like, sorry, just to put in, I like his relationship with Meredith as well. Like how, yeah. you know, that, that role that they had, I did really enjoy that. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I've only seen him in, uh, I guess, two episodes, um, but definitely stands out as a, a. It's the moment he's on screen, he has your attention. Yeah. Um, if you hear the sound of uh, paper crinkling in the background, this is me going through my notes. Um, I have <laughs> printed out the cast of characters uh, and the actors who played them so I can follow along. So as you're kind of like mentioning these names, I, you know, I, I really liked George um, uh, from the pilot. Uh, I, again, spoilers, I didn't notice George being in any of the other episodes. Uh, <laughs> I, you so, know, I nearly, and- I very, very nearly sent you another episode to watch which he was such a big big role in it I didn't it was the one where Miranda Bailey was um giving birth but she her husband was in a bad accident and he was being was it not the beginning of the one that I sent you and he was he wasn't um he was encouraging Miranda to to push he was like come on you're gonna have to do this otherwise you're gonna lose your baby um did I not send you that one to watch I must have changed my mind no, uh, we we can go into. The, we'll talk. No, I, I've got the pilot. I I've got the the active shooter in the hospital, Goodman. and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Which was, you know what? I'll save it because the the transition <laughs> from pilot to that episode. My notes, my notes. Poor Brent is going to have to to um, edit up copious amounts of profanity when we start talking about that um because i did not understand what was happening because i thought the show was a comedy uh until that moment i just didn't i didn't i knew it was a drama but i thought given the pilot it was going to be kind of a quirky drama uh and it was not um (laughs) brent i'm curious to know out of like give us a percentage how many episodes do you cry at not very many. Uh, oh. I mean, well, okay, like, I'll give you that. In the first few seasons, I was bawling, like, almost every episode. <laughs> they were really, I mean, as the show went on, uh, you know, once in a while, about oh. this big transition uh, between the pilot and Death and all his friends, I, um, <laughs> we'll talk about it in a minute, I guess, but I was going to tell you, Drew, you thought it was like a quirky uh, drama, and it is. Most of the sh- most of the episodes are like that, but it's like because uh, Drew texted me in the middle of this one and said, "This show is messed up." <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, "Yeah, but the show is not normally like this. It's normally light and sometimes dramatic, you know. But episodes like this one and and uh, uh, the last one we talk about are, are very rare, and I think that's why people like them a lot. It's kind of like watching." Okay. The old sitcoms where they were really funny, and then about three or four seasons in, they have the very special episode, and it's always dramatic. And those are the episodes you remember for those sitcoms. So it's kind of the same. Okay, thing. I think that's fair, and I think uh, I think that choosing those three episodes then makes makes a lot of sense because they're clearly big moments in the show, and I feel like we're 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 kind of dancing around that. So maybe maybe we should go ahead and just start talking about that. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we asked the guests to bring on three episodes they feel kind of exemplify the show or that they really liked or maybe gives a reason why they would choose to stick around with the program. Uh, and so I think we've, we've already mentioned the names of at least uh, two of them. Brent, you actually know the names. I, I didn't even realize the show was about uh, used musical titles. So what is the pilot's, um, what's the pilot's actual name? A Hard Day's Night. A Hard Day's Night. Well, that makes a lot of sense. 
yeah, the setup for the show really does feel like it's like, okay, here they are. They're new. They're young, fresh faced. They're eager to get their hands bloody, I guess, because everyone seems to really want to be involved with surgery, which sounds like hell to me. <laughs> um, it's not that I'm against medical dramas. I find them fascinating, but like, it's not a world I would choose to live in. I think it's far too much stress. Um, but yeah, I think the character introduction was one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Um, I was instantly engaged with who the characters were. I think they did a fantastic job creating a understanding of what the environment they were going to be in. I think the interpersonal relationships, you could see where they potentially could be going with that. I thought the acting in all three episodes that we saw were phenomenal. And I, I immediately went, you know what? I could, I might be able to get into this show. I think this would be something I could, I could really jump into. That changed, but uh, I want to, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, your thoughts on, on just kind of the pilot and what it was like to see that for the very first time. Um, well, I guess, gosh, it was a long time ago when I watched the pilot. I kind of wanted, the reason why I, I sent that over to you is because like you said, it sets up the characters. It sets up, the scene of kind of this is this is where we are this is what it's going to be and like you say it's a good introduction and especially because you know with Meredith and um, Derek their kind of relationship how many times they get back together and break up get back together, get back together. it's um as I was trying to pick episodes for you to watch I was like oh yeah I could see this is going to be quite confusing <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah like you say I think you know you've got the one night stand um with a you know not knowing and I, I, yeah I, again I just think it was it just gripped you straight away you were like oh what's going to happen now <laughs> so I thought it was a brilliant pilot definitely it got me gripped anyway how about you Brent what do you think it's a great pilot and it like you said it does a really good job identifying a lot of different characters in a short amount of time and on on top of that it really shows the stressful environment that these people work in mm. <sighs> Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the entire time was like, I cannot imagine what life experiences lead you to not only want to engage in that kind of lifestyle, but um, I feel like it, it, it feels so competitive. It feels like such a, like constantly pushing and challenging themselves to, to an extent that I, I, I find it just exhausting to watch, which is good because it means it portrayed it correctly. Um, just to give you a peek behind the curtain and we, even if our guest doesn't choose the pilot, I'm always going to watch the pilot just to see oh, okay. how, how it's done. <laughs> um, and, and I'm glad that you did choose that because I, it's something I, I like talking about that because the first introduction to a character, you really, a lot of pilots are bad. Like a lot of pilots, they just didn't really have a feel for it. I think some shows don't even get a good feel for, who they are as a program until the second or third season where the characters have gotten a chance to really live in the parts and they get a chance to influence where that character is going. So to have a show that is, like you said, so well-written. Um, yeah, I, I was engaged. I thought the premises, it really felt like they weren't just doing another medical drama because there's a lot of those out there. It felt like this had something to say. It had a message. It had an idea of where it wanted to go. Uh, then we have the second episode, which you said it was called Death and All of Death's Friends. What was it? Death and All, Death and all of Its Friends. 
okay, where do you know that song? It, um, where that's from? I clearly know where Hard Day's Night's from. I'm I'm not that out of touch with music, <laughs> but um, I don't know where Death and All His Friends is. What song title that is? I had no idea every song, uh, every episode was based on a song. I would have definitely done research on that had I had I picked up on that. But uh, well, we do they feature the song in the episode? Is it or is it in there? It's called because is it say that again Coldplay oh okay and does it does it feature do all the the titles then feature in the episode you know that is something that I would definitely want to research because that's got to be one of the most expensive parts of making television is, is oh, getting God. the rights to to the music like I, I can tell you Hard Day's Night did not play in in no, the no, pilot it's, episode it's just the titles okay. yeah okay okay I'm saying that would be impressive <laughs> It would also be a fun trivia question. Yes. Um, like how many, how many episodes of Grace and I be actually featured the song in which they've taken the title from. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's talk about this episode. Um, this is clearly, is this, I mean, I assume this is part two of a two-parter. Yeah. A season yeah. finale. Yeah. Could you please explain to me what happened in the first one? Um, I, I think, I mean, it, it seems like it's like the catalyst for this individual's aggression uh, seems pretty clear. He definitely lost somebody, but I, I didn't, I didn't, didn't know what was going on. And I, and I kind of prefer it that way, but I'm kind of curious. Sorry, I feel like my selection was really bad on this one. No, <laughs> no, you I think it's, no, no, but, but let me, let me just say, I love it because Think about this. I went straight from I, the, you sent us. You sent us. You did the best thing too because you told me what season and what episode number it was. You didn't, so I didn't have to search. It was very easy to find. I love that. So the pilot ends with them making out in an elevator, right? And like, ah, you know, she's she's made it out. We we kind of find out a little bit about her history and we learn about her mom and like it's like oh this blossoming relationship, and then episode two begins with him falling to the floor bleeding from a gunshot wound and i, and I was just like wait what the hell is going on but sometimes they do that don't they? they kind of start at the end of the episode and then show you how they got to that point throughout mm. the episode yeah 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 and that's a great and, family and no this was one of my favorites also but, was it Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. glad. It's one of the ones I I still remember this one because it was so uh, so impactful, so dramatic mm-hmm. and memorable. That's it. Because when you you know when you ask me and say pick three, I think gosh, out of like you say out of all them episodes, how on earth do you pick three? And that one was the one that definitely yeah, like you said, I re- I remembered that one. So I I did had to do a bit of research and thinking what episodes I couldn't remember what season it was and. Yeah, and what episodes it was, but then found it and then rewatched it, and yeah, oh, I just love it. Love the drama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge drama fan, um, okay. per, per se, um, in general. Uh, and you asked Brent about the amount of times he cries during episodes, and I'm going to go ahead and let you both know that I got weepy in this episode <laughs> for characters. I did not know. <laughs> I had no concept. There is a scene where they are dragging an individual through the hallway and he oh, is yeah. he is dying in front of them. 
And I genuinely thought that was one of the best acted scenes I, I've seen. Uh, I didn't know any of the characters involved. Uh, and yet I felt for the characters. I, I'm, you know, either that is the writing. Uh, it's a combination of the writing and the acting and the, uh, just the, the way it was done. Um, I, yeah. in the midst of not knowing what was going on, I found myself kind of getting weepy for an individual. And then I got even like, my notes are just a lot of anguished. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Why am I crying? Uh, and then there's a line that says, eat more bacon, have more sex. So, I mean, it's a real interesting combination of, of experiences happening in this. Um, uh, the And I don't, I'm sadly, I don't know the characters' names. Uh, the two pe- pediatric uh, nurses who are shielding children from the gunmen mm-hmm. uh, got me because anytime, because I work with children, anytime children are in danger, I get real edgy. Uh, and that scene had me on the edge of the couch watching it. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. powerful stuff. And there apparently was a relationship blossoming at the same time, which I didn't <laughs> catch on to uh, until the end of the episode, which is doing double duty. So I imagine that is in particularly intriguing for audience members who are invested. So, Yeah, it was that. I can't remember. It was that at the beginning. right? It must have been right at the beginning of their relationship because they're another one. They you know, couple who get together and break up and get back together and break up again. Um, but yeah, I think that probably was right, right at the beginning, maybe. I think oh, so. Yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Okay. There that, is uh, that part of the elevator got me too, by the way. Oh my God. So don't, yeah. don't feel alone. <laughs> no, I, listen, I, I, there's, there's, I feel neither alone nor shame. Um, <laughs> I, I, I frequently, uh, will acknowledge uh, really well done television, um, and I, I thought I thought everybody's acting in this really, and it was such such a different show from the pilot, so very different. And I think what what's kind of cool about it is it shows the range of the actors. Um, whoever the actress was with um, Derek, Derek as he's falling and the, the gunman puts the gun on her and she starts oh, and doing she exactly stopped. what she's supposed to, mm. which is listing personal facts about herself. But you can tell that she is barely keeping it together. And she's starting to like get weepy and her nose is starting to drip and she's shaking. I mean, that actress uh, did a, I mean, again, everyone did a phenomenal job, but I was so impressed. It really grabbed me. And I, I understood immediately why you chose this episode. I mean, it was, I'm not, I please I don't feel like I'm slacking off this episode or your choices. I got it. I just didn't understand what was going on, uh, but I, I, you, it had me hooked. And I, it, again, was like, this is impressive. Yeah, no, that bit with April that, oh yeah, I, I remember that so vividly. And cause so why that's what you're supposed to do isn't it? you're supposed to like personalize um not personalize what's the word um humanize like humanize, yourself, yeah. humanize yourself yeah yeah um but yeah she she has she she's very good at doing things like that i feel like she's kind of april she's always on like this one level she always speaks very very fast and she's got quite high high-pitched voice and <laughs> yeah she she's she's a brilliant actress she plays you know both kind of the comedy and the drama side i think really well if you were on this show oh, uh, in this episode, in this episode specifically, what what role would you have wanted to play? 
because I, I was watching this going, I know that I couldn't play any of these parts, <laughs> but I always, you know, like I always kind of imagine what it would be like to have the ability to, to perform in that at, at any of these levels. Uh, no, what which which of the parts on this in this episode really felt like the meatiest to you? Like what you would want to be seen? Um, I straight away I kind of think Meredith because it was the you know the uh, what's the word? It was how she the gunman the fact that he was there really just didn't matter all all that mattered was Derek and that one bit mm. where Christine is trying to stop her from going out and it's that so heightened emotion of just borderline well, crazy that mm. that I can yeah that I think would be a great bit of script to get stuck into Okay, so I don't know if there's anyone wants to add any more about this that particular episode, uh, but if not, then let's let's talk about the third one that you selected. Uh, oh, makes me want to cry <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Um, <laughs> I don't thought think for anybody sure. watching that episode did. <laughs> it was so I was watching this going, oh my god, I I can see why she has selected this episode this the episode two. Because this is clearly, uh, everyone used to call him McDreamy, so that's how I know him. I, like, the fact that his name is Derek, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. Um, I was like, oh, man, no, McDreamy's been shot. Oh, no. Maybe <sighs> she chose this because he, I didn't know he, if, whether or not he was still on the show or not. I figured, you know, 17 years, a lot changes. So I, when, he, when he pulls through in that episode, I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. I mean, you know, like, that's a really traumatic situation. People definitely <laughs> die, but, you know, like, and then I thought this, for this third episode, what a fantastic setup to see them outside of the element in which they're comfortable, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. the, the, the entire episode is him being capable. And I thought, you know, the, the folks in the car accident were really, you know, I felt believable. Like, I got it. Like, I felt, and I just, I was like, oh, this is, he's such a competent character. I really like this. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that episode honestly because I think again the way that they do it is you know that he like you say he's coming across as so capable and so caring and so you know good at what he does and and a real McDreamy and then it you know he gets back in his in his car and way he's about to go and then and yeah wow didn't see that coming but then I think then the next the next bit, you know, when he he's talking, isn't he? But obviously he can't vocalise. And that is just so frustrating watching. I don't know about you, Brett, when you when you were, well, when both of us, I suppose you both watched it, but how you felt having known the character and knowing who he is and how you felt. But I was just, oh. Yeah, was, this one devastated me so much when I saw it the first time that honestly I didn't watch it again this time <laughs> but I I do remember the crash and I remember Derek trying to save someone and I remember he got hurt and going to the different hospital where the doctor didn't do a CT scan mm. and that ended up killing him um, which they talk about several several episodes after that um, you know obviously it takes Meredith a long time to to deal with that so uh 
but yeah, how no. she reacts when the police go to the door as well it's you know that you could kind of imagine that's it's that disbelief isn't it because they've finally just got to a point where you know they're set you know they're settled through all the ups and downs of the adoption and everything that they went through they've got to this place with the house and it's just perfect and then you know yeah, that happens yeah yeah it's tough and uh, the frustrating to see how competent of a doctor and a human being he was and then to be thrown into a, a situation where the the other these these no-name doctors who we've not really i assume have not seen before it doesn't seem like we'd really dealt no, with them and, yeah and then to see them to not do the things that clearly anyone any of these doctors like you know as audience members watching medical dramas we probably think we know <laughs> yeah. so much more <laughs> than the people it's like why aren't you doing a ct scan my god <laughs> even i know to do a ct scan <laughs> you know like i i don't know anything are you kidding me i'm an idiot um especially about this subject but no yes. i i think what what was more powerful for me was not the drama, which sometimes can feel like melodrama, which is like, are you come on? I mean, seriously, but just the, the frustration, gut wrenching anger, the incompetence of the medical profession that was shown by this other group. It just, that, that was the point that got me more than anything else. I just got riled up. Yeah. And I think, cause you see the, um, the doctor, um, the one, I can't remember her name, with the ginger hair, um, who, she was the one who was pushing for the CT scan, but the other one didn't listen. And then um, she she's in it for a little while um, after. She ends up being in a re- bit of a relationship with Callie, you know, one of the nurses who you said back in. Um, Death and all his friends, one of the um, two doctors who were looking after the children. Oh, gotcha, okay. She, then we <laughs> then but then I think in a way some of the frustration that you feel towards that character Meredith portrays that and kind of settles that for you because she you know you get them to see the relationship between them two but then Meredith then starts to take her if I remember rightly under a wing then quite a bit and um yeah and tries to be like well you know let's not let let there not be another mistake like that let my husband be a lesson to you yeah but again which again is you know great great character from meredith i just i just think she's amazing (laughs) (laughs) it was like the fact that she kept on getting shut down by the male doctor like it was Mm. one of those you know like that that was one of those things where like clearly yeah it, it went like if you're now you're telling me that meredith is it takes her under her wing. I'm like, yes, okay, good. That makes so much sense. Like, I didn't read forward past that part. <laughs> I think it was basically done, but uh, good. I think that from narratively speaking, I think that <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better for this fictional character. Um, so please, Brent, go ahead. <laughs> well, Rianne, before we wrap up, uh, what about... Grey's Anatomy keeps you interested. What keeps you watching? The characters, as we've mentioned. Um, I like watching shows that are so far away from my reality that are a bit of an escapism. Um, and Grey's for me, definitely, you know, the fact that obviously it's you know set in Seattle and it's in, in a 
doctors in, in another world I think oh I'd love to be a surgeon and then you kind of think of the reality of it and think actually no maybe not um but I think that it's so different from my world is something that I really enjoy I think it's a real so many times I watch an episode and although it's all fictional I have to say it's a lot of it's real life you know not necessarily saying it's them people involved but those accidents those brain tumors you know amputations all these things happen in life and I think it really a lot of episodes I've sat there after and thought life is so precious you know I know I'm watching something and it's not real but these things are daily occurrences in hospitals and it's fiance describes it sometimes as a bit of a therapy session you know and it's it's kind of like a bit of an emotional roller coaster that you go on and sometimes if you've had you know a, a bad day or whatever and you just have all that frustration that's just built up they're watching Grey's and it kind of just all comes out it, it might not even necessarily be about the episode or something but there's just something that allows you to have this release um that yeah yeah I just I think I think like you say the storylines are great you know I love everything that Shonda Rhimes does as well I think she's brilliant um so and the characters the actors in it it just yeah it's it's kept me gripped definitely Mm -hmm. I hope that Um, answers your question (laughs) oh yeah yeah it does I I, and I I keep watching I just probably the fact that things can change on a dime on this show and you never know what's coming next Mm -hmm. and the revolving cast people come and go uh in fact i was watching the pilot there's only a handful of people that are still on there from the pilot <laughs> mm, yeah. and um, the other big thing about the show that we haven't talked about but um i discovered a lot of new music from this show they yeah yeah not so much the last couple of years but from the beginning they've had like a really good set of uh songs on there uh sort of playing in the background or whatever you know like hey who is that so i've discovered a lot of new music from this show too so mm-hmm. that's a different aspect but yeah yeah and i guess as well you know just going back to the characters briefly when you've watched something for so long and you have that attachment to them it's like you feel you feel like you know that you know and you are invested and even though characters you know leave the show it's unless obviously they're still talked about it's not like they've gone like Christine is still is very much a part of Meredith's life after she's gone mm-hmm. um you still feel her presence there and even though she's not in it anymore you still kind of feel like she is even though you know you, you, I did miss her massively because I love that relationship between the two of them um but yeah I definitely think it's the characters and the storylines like you said it's there's a reason that it's been going for so many seasons. It's, it's still good. It still keeps people gripped. It's not, you know, like you say, there might've been a bit of a time where it kind of dropped off for both of us and we <laughs> came away from it. But then like you say, you, you've got back into it. I've got back into it and you, you, it carries on. <laughs> the emotional <laughs> roller coaster carries on. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, uh, Rianne, before we let you go, um, is there anything you want to plug for us? No, not really. Like, obviously, it's just I've, I've shot a few commercials recently that are kind of out over here, but I'm really just focusing on 
staying safe and the baby at the minute and getting ready. There's nothing, nothing really that I'd say I'd want to plug. I just, everyone stay safe really and look after yourselves and stay positive in this awful, you know, unknown time. It's true. Well, even with all of this uh, unknown horribleness, this dumpster fire of a year, um, it's, I'll, I'll be honest, it's kind of wonderful just to hear that something fantastic is coming out of it. So again, congratulations to you and your fiance. Um, thank you. Thank uh, you. That's, and really, for, and just thank you for, for joining us on, on our program. No, I've really enjoyed it. It's um, been great. And you'll have to let me know if you get into grave. <laughs> Start it from the beginning. Let us know what you think. I am making no promises on that, but, <laughs> but we'll see. We will see. So thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, on Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixel who. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show on patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. Shift is a marathon, not a sprint eat. I can't. You should eat something. You try eating after performing 17 rectal exams. The Nazi hates me. The Nazi's a resident. I have attendings hating me. You know Meredith is inbred? I got some coming around here to be a doctor's parent. She's no, royally inbred. Her mother is Alice Gray. Shut up, the Alice Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Alice Gray? Alice. <laughs> the Gray <laughs> method? Where'd you go to med school, Mexico? She was one of the first big chick surgeons. I mean, she practically invented the abdominal She's a doctor. living legend. Yeah, she won the Harper Avery twice. So I didn't know one thing. Talk about parental pressure. God, I would kill to have Alice Gray as a mother. I'd kill to be Alice Gray. All I need is one good case. Petty rice is a pain in the ass. If I hadn't taken the Hippocratic Oath, I'd cavork in her with my bare hands. What? Good afternoon, interns. It's posted, but I thought I'd share the good news personally. As you know, the honor of performing first surgery is reserved for the intern that shows the most promise. As I'm running the OR today, I get to make that choice. George O'Malley. Me? You'll scrub in for an appendectomy this afternoon. Congratulations. Enjoy. Did he say me?